I have not been too familiar with Sri Aurobindo's teaching, uh, but the last time when I visited his samadhi in Pondicherry, I happened to pick up this very small booklet called "The Whole Secret of Karma Yoga," and I found that the message was astonishingly close to. the spiritual teachings that i had imbibed and they were equally pragmatic in approach because they dealt with the aspect of the will of the divine in daily living especially at work so i would like to read out some passages from here which shed light on this very important aspect of the will of the divine operating in daily living this is a compilation from the works of shri aurobindo and the mother in this passage it is said afterwards even as we have to renounce attachment to the fruit of the work we must renounce attachment to the work itself at any moment we must be prepared to change one work one course or one field of action for another or abandon all works if that is the clear command of the master having a full-fledged working life myself i have seen how important this is because we have a tendency to not let go of the familiar even though it might not be give, giving us the desired results because it becomes a comfort zone So here of course Sri Aurobindo is echoing the words of the Bhagavad Gita where it is clearly mentioned the concept of nishkama karma where we have to abandon the fruits of the work but here the important pointer is to be prepared to abandon the work itself if it is needed in the end as the attachment to the fruit of the work and to the work itself has been excised from the heart so also the last clinging attachment to the idea and sense of ourselves as the doer has to be relinquished the divine shakti must be known and felt above and within us as the true and sole worker and this is exactly what shri ramana maharshi has said he used to say that when one is working instead of the thought i am working it should be replaced by the thought that the current is working through me which is a very helpful approach for us who have especially busy working lives 
another classic example which Sri Ramana Maharshi gave was the Gopurams in the temple which are carved into stone holding up the temple structure thinking themselves that they are the ones doing it. So both these point to not being the doer in one's daily life and at work. This section is a complete equality. The Lord is there equally in all beings. We have to make no essential distinctions between ourselves and others, the wise and the ignorant, friend and enemy, man and animal, the saint and the sinner. We must hate none, despise none, be repelled by none, for in all we have to see the one disguised or manifested at his pleasure. And since all things are the one self in its manifestation, we shall have equality of soul towards the ugly and beautiful, the maimed and the perfect, the noble and the vulgar, the pleasant and the unpleasant, the good and the evil. Here also there will be no hatred, scorn and repulsion, but instead the equal eye that sees all things in their real character and their appointed place. This in other words is looking through not the eyes of duality but the eye of unicity which is also referred to as the third eye where we are looking at the divine which manifests and animates everything. So the extreme polarities are transcended by what some masters have called an even vision. A sense of equality in the vision rather than this tilt towards the opposites. That becomes the way of seeing. And as it is said so beautifully here that all things are the one self in manifestation. My spiritual teacher Rameshti would give a very simple example of the gadgets in a kitchen, each designed to bring about what it is designed to bring about. The toaster produces toast, the juicer produces juice, but it is the same electricity which runs through all the gadgets, enabling them to bring out what they are programmed to. So with this kind of vision, what one sees is the divine consciousness animating everyone and everything. The vision no longer rests on the form. It has transcended the form. Here's another great pointer for work. For not only the fruit of works belongs to the Lord alone, but our works also must be His. He is the true Lord of our actions, no less than of our results. This we must not see with the thinking mind only. 
it must become entirely true of our entire consciousness and will. The sadhaka has not only to think and know, but to see and feel concretely and intensely, even in the moment of working and in its initiation and the whole process, that his works are not his at all, but are coming through him from the supreme existence. He must always be aware of a force, a presence, a will that acts through his individual nature. So beautifully said and reiterating the same point. To be perfectly equal in all happenings and to all beings and to see and feel them as one with oneself and one with the Divine. To feel all in oneself and all in God. To feel God in all, oneself in all. Because there is this cliché that everything is a reflection of oneself. But this becomes something which is lived when one allows the teaching to live through us. That is why my teacher said that a shift occurs from living the teaching to being lived by the teaching because there is no act of volition when the understanding is complete, that becomes the way of functioning in life. Such a beautiful selection of words again on the same point. This section says it is called the three results of this practice. The one I am pointing out at is the practice of this yoga demands a constant inward remembrance of the one central liberating knowledge and a constant active externalizing of it in works comes in two to intensify the remembrance. In all is the one self. The one divine is all. All are in the divine. All are the divine. And there is nothing else in the universe. This thought or this faith is the whole ground, the whole background, until it becomes the whole substance of the consciousness of the worker. Something very beautiful, one sentence which the mother has said, which is, Never forget that you are not alone. The Divine is with you, helping and guiding you. It is only when we feel that we are the doers that this sense of being alone arises. But if there is the total understanding then that it is the Divine functioning through us, as the Mother has so beautifully said, 
the divine is with you helping and guiding you back to work this is such an important pointer which sri aurobindo has given here under guidance to the aspirants it is not the form of the work itself or mere activity but the consciousness and godward will behind it that are the essence of karma yoga the work is only the necessary instrumentation for the union with the master of works the transit to the pure will and power of light from the will and power of the ignorance it is not the form of the work itself or the mere activity but the consciousness and godward will behind it the degree and sense of presence which one brings to the work and here is a tremendous pointer given by shri aurobindo the including of the outer consciousness in the transformation is of supreme importance in this yoga meditation cannot do it meditation can deal only with the inner being so work is of primary importance only it must be done with the right attitude and in the right consciousness then it is as fruitful as any meditation can be this is what my teacher ramesh ji would talk about being the engaging the working mind which is in the moment operating on the task at hand which is as good as meditation and as sri aurobindo says including of the outer consciousness in the transformation is of supreme importance meditation alone cannot do it because of course meditation is the inward journey but here again a very practical approach to one's working life is put forth Here is a very sweet tip which Sri Aurobindo has given. He says, under the caption "How to remember the divine while working," if you can't as yet remember the divine all the time you are working, it does not greatly matter. To remember and dedicate at the beginning and give thanks at the end ought to be enough for the present. or at the most to remember too when there is a pause so that this constant reflection and offering it to the divine soon starts permeating one's being till one reaches the stage where it is an automatic function of remembering the divine all the time being in the presence of the divine all stress of egoistic choice all hankering after personal profit 
all stipulation of self regarding desire must be extirpated from the nature. There must be no demand for fruit and no seeking for reward. The only fruit for you is the pleasure of the Divine Mother and the fulfillment of her work. Your only reward a constant progression in Divine Consciousness and calm and strength and bliss. The joy of service and the joy of inner growth through works is the sufficient recompense of the selfless worker. So beautifully said. How to know the Divine Will? It needs a quiet mind to know the Divine Will. In the quiet mind turned towards the Divine, the intuition comes of the Divine's will and the right way to do it. When the mind is pure and psychic prominent, then one feels what is according to the Divine will and what is against it. A receptive silence of the mind, an effacement of the mental ego and the reduction of the mental being to the position of a witness, a close contact with the Divine Power and an openness of the being to that one influence and no other are the conditions for becoming an instrument of the Divine, moved by that and that only. So this is just uh, something which gave me a glimpse of what Sri Aurobindo and the Mother's teaching are on work, Karma Yoga as we know is the Yoga of Action which for us is in our daily livings the Yoga of our working lives and some very pragmatic pointers. I am sure there is much more of Sri Aurobindo's teaching which I am not aware of but I am very grateful to have received this booklet and um, it's another divine expression of God's will in action.